865-255-03. Brad says 200 yards per half minimum. I don't know about that one. Oh, whew, I don't know about that. I'm I'm actually stretching it by saying we're gonna you know have 300 yards of total offense against against this Bama team uh, with or without Hendon. Like I'm stretching it. I am stretching it because Ole Miss with Matt Corral had 290, 291. Now they would have had probably would have had it if they decide to maybe a little bit more. Um, conservative on on fourth down um, and play maybe the field position game a little bit better, but Ole Miss had 291. 291. 291. Mississippi State had 299 last week. (sighs) And they don't run the ball at all, right? Uh, Guess how many rushing yards they had. Less than 50. Yes. Oh, you mean really guess? Uh, 37. You're giving them too much credit. Wow. Negative one rushing yard. Wow. 19 rushing attempts for negative one rushing yard. Now, I would love to know how many times they were sacked. The stats that I am looking at do not tell me that. Wow. Seven sacks. So that, that played right, a role man. in there the – in the negative one rushing yard. Let's look at Mississippi State's backs. Uh, seven carries for 24 yards. Will Rogers, the quarterback, who was sacked seven times, had negative 41 rushing yards. So a, a large part of negative one rushing yard was because of the sacks. And in college, they, they don't separate the two like they do in the NFL. But still, Let's negative one rushing yard. And... To, to hear SEC network analysts talk about it, it's because Mike Leach refuses to give his his tackles any help, and apparently he splits them out wider than than typical offensive lines do, and he does not give them any help. The does not help Chip with a, a back or a tight end. They they are on an island alone, and last weekend they were on an island alone against Will Anderson. Not. Not a recipe for success. Not at all. Not at all. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Uh, John K. Talking about JL's comments on YouTube. Playing gotcha. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people was wrong about you know Joe Milton, what he could do. Even, even the coach that we have talked about being awesome and doing more with less and being an offensive wizard and Josh Heupel, he was wrong too. We, there's a lot of us wrong. Joe Milton made us made a lot of us wrong because we saw his physical talent. Um, we didn't know if it was Michigan or if it was him. Right now we can say it's him. It's him. So, you got us, JL. You got us. They got us. Well, and I, I think got us. part of it. Everybody was wrong about Joe Milton. Was that Tennessee did not know what it had in Hendon Hooker. And I made this point several weeks ago that I think that Tennessee did not. It's not even I think. I know Tennessee did not realize what it had in Hendon Hooker because in the spring, during fall camp, 
Hendon Hooker is in a red non-contact jersey. He cannot be hit in practice. Obviously, he, he's a quarterback. So what, what does Hendon do best? Running the football. He, he's, he's at his best when, when the ball is in his hands, and, and he's, he's toting that thing. And he can't really display his, his toughness, which Josh Heupel, Alex Golish, those guys have talked about over the last couple of weeks. Like, hey, why, why did this guy start? And they, they have said publicly that, that they didn't realize how tough Hendon Hooker is. And you, you just can't account for that during fall camp when, when he's in a red non-contact jersey. And not only the toughness aspect, but in, in fall camp, a defender gets close to Hendon after he takes off running the football and the play is blown dead. So you can't even really see his ability to make guys miss either in, in practice because he's, he's not live. So I think that's the big thing as to why Hendon started on the bench. I do think Tennessee prefers to have the big arm quarterback like Joe Milton, but obviously the, the big arm does you no good if you can't complete the passes. I think and, every quarter, every coach prefers that. <laughs> yes, but specifically in, in this offense, which doesn't really utilize the, the intermediate passing game, they, they really like to take shots. Deep. I mean, it's, it's a screen to the perimeter, a deep shot, or handing the football off. Or Hendon taking off. I mean, that, that's what Tennessee's offense is. I understand that, but having a, having a big arm is not just about throwing deep balls. It's about having an arm strength to be able to fit in tight windows, even in intermediate passing game or even in quick game. You know, that, that, you know a slant thrown by a weak arm quarterback is a little different than a slant thrown by a quarterback that can throw, throw that pill. He can fit it in windows. He can throw with anticipation. The ball gets there faster. So, yeah, I think – I understand what you're saying – but, like, I think every coach would prefer a big-arm quarterback. But it comes with the mental part, and it comes with the ability to put touch on the ball when needed. Um, you know, Josh, I remember when Josh Allen was drafted out of Wyoming, and we were like, okay, all right, he did do, you know, didn't play for a big team, whatever. But you saw the mobility, and you saw the arm strength. And there's only a few dudes on the planet that can throw the ball like Josh Allen. But you see – him and Mahomes and, and like why they're different mm-hmm. because the throws that they are able to make, not just deep throws, Ben, but the throws. They can make all the throws. <laughs> the throws they make when they're on the run, going to their left, going to their right, like their arm strength, they can throw from different arm angles and, and, and arm levels and, and it gets their, it, their zip on it. So I totally get what you're saying. Like the, the deep shots was something that, you know, I think the staff knew they had to do, and Joe Milton's arm certainly um, made you think that you can do it. And when you were talking about Hendon Hooker and his running ability and how it was really hard to see that in, in fall camp, with a first-year player here at Tennessee and a first-year staff and a new, new system, it's hard to see that when you have your quarterbacks in non-contact jerseys. But that's not like a huge ding for Hypel, though. It's not like, oh my gosh, if he would have just played Hendon, and I couldn't, be- I can't believe he didn't play Hendon. Like everyone knew it. It's not like that because it's understandable. Like the changes with the with the personnel that we've seen this season, it's understandable. And this staff didn't bring Hendon in. 
Well, it's, it's understandable because quarterback is not the only position where that's happened. It's happened in other positions. There's a new group of receivers playing now that was playing against Florida. That was playing against Bowling Green. So you can, you can try to create as many game scenarios as you want in practice. It's still not the game. And, you know, a guy may look good in practice, and he may, be look, he may look good under these game scenarios that you have created. But you really know a lot about a player when you get into the games. And not just quarterback, but receiver in other positions, there were guys that played less, they're now playing more. And there's guys that's playing more, they're now playing less. And so it's an understandable process when you have a first-year coaching staff. Like, it's not the first time this has happened. It happened with Kiffin when he got, when he got Crompton. He didn't know first game that Crompton's better throwing on a run. He didn't know that. But as soon as he realized that, he started playing towards his strengths. Which is what this staff has done with Hooker. Yeah, like, you know, if, if, if I'm a receiver and I can only play one position, but I, I come into the, the, the season or I come into a game where, for the first time, I'm trying to put you in different positions because I want to get you the football. But you can't handle all that information. It slows you down. But, the, okay, now you make the adjustment. Okay, well, I tried to do this with this player. I thought I could do this with this player, but I, but I can't. So let me make the adjustment. Let me give him more. Excuse me, let me give him less on his plate so he thinks less. So what Hypel and company did early in the season, it is a understandable adjustment. I want, it's not a must, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't play, play Hendon from the get-go. Well, how was they supposed to know Hendon was – going to play the way he played. He's also just not as – I know this This may sound a little crazy, but he's, he's not as, as flashy as a Joe Milton. Not the highly ranked guy. Doesn't have the big arm. Doesn't have the flamboyant personality that Joe has. He, he doesn't stand out. Hennon's a big old boy, but, I mean – Joe Joe's different size wise, um, so Joe's a little flashier than Hendon as as well, and maybe not the the sexy pick per se, but I I always thought that he would maybe prove to be the most consistent. I remember talking about that first week of fall camp that based off of the intel that that we were getting from practice and and from the summer, like hey Joe is flashing this big arm. But maybe consistency is an issue, and, and I brought up on the show that, hey, I, I, I'd keep an eye on Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. I, I think he may prove to be the most consistent, and, and over time he has, he has done that. And I, I don't bring, bring that up to pat myself on the back. I bring that up because that's been the difference between Joe and Hendon. Hendon is, although Joe's a vet too, Hendon prepares like a vet and acts like a vet throughout the week. And, and treats the game like a vet literally during the game on Saturdays. He, 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 he doesn't get rattled, and he's always doing exactly what he is supposed to do at, at, at all times because he is far more consistent than, than Joe is. Uh, Ken says that the coaches never watch his film at Virginia Tech. W- watch two minutes of that, and you've seen that he's an excellent running quarterback. Wouldn't have needed fall camp contact. Well, Hendon's success is not just because he can run the football. He's thrown the ball better than I thought he would. Yeah. 
I mean, he he has improved as a passer since Heupel and company have been here because now Heupel knows what he's good at and what he's not good at. Part of coaching is playing to a player's strengths. Playing to a player's strengths. So as time goes along, you know more about that player on the field, off the field, and now you know how to use them better. So I'm sure this coaching staff now versus fall camp knows what Hendon is good at and knows what he's not good at. You know what you want to do with him and and play towards, and you know where you want to stay away from with Hendon. So and it's just not running either. It's the intangibles, it's all the other stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet of why Hendon has been successful. It's the it factor. It's the it factor. It doesn't show up anywhere on Google. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet. So I, I know one thing. I, I am a, a huge Hendon Hooker fan. I, I just love everything about Hendon Hooker, quite frankly, and am developing quite the man crush on Hendon, and, and I am not ashamed to admit it. He, he's a fun football player to root for. He, he's a, he seems to be a, a really good person to root for. I, I thought uh, a friend who called in yesterday and, and shared the story about his mom who mm-hmm. is battling breast cancer and uh, has, I guess, developed a relationship with, with Hendon Hooker's mom or, or sees them at the games, and Hendon's mom – Told, told her that she's been praying for her. I thought that was very telling of also where Hendon comes from. He, he's just a, a fun football player and a good dude to root for. And, I, and I, I, I am so glad that his injury wasn't season-ending because he, even if he doesn't play on Saturday, get this week off, get the bye week off, come back and the stretch of Kentucky, Georgia, South Alabama – and, and Vanderbilt, it'll be fun to watch him play football. And I, I can't wait for him to come back next year and, and be the guy throughout the offseason and continue to build rapport with the receivers, although <laughs> the, the veterans will be gone, and that, that'll be a huge emphasis this offseason. And, and watch him play a full season as the guy, I'm excited about that. The height will be enormous next year for him if he is returning to be Tennessee's quarterback in his last year. And he does have the opportunity uh, if he wants to take it. Um, the hype will be enormous. Now, you mentioned the, the new faces on the outside with the pass catchers, and that's going to you know, play a part. But we saw how quickly he was able to build that chemistry and rapport with, um, you know, Javante Payton and Avalis Jones. And he just met these dudes. So if Tennessee's able to go out and get some grad transfer court, uh, excuse me, receivers or hit some guys – uh, um, from the transfer portal that has some experience, we've seen that Hendon can can develop that chemistry quickly with an experienced receiver. So if Hype was able to go out and get those players, man, you got Jacob Warren coming back. Um, like you got some guys experience coming back on the outside. Princeton Fan comes back as well. Yeah, so I mean, like, you have your two tight ends, you have you have your backs. The Hendon hype could be serious. The Hendon hype could really be serious this offseason um, because you know what he what he's done so far this season. Now, if he can get back to playing um, to that to that form, you know, 
close, don't know how the injury is going to impact that, then we're going to see some crazy hype surrounding Hendon, and he deserves it. Now, there's going to be some movement, I think, with the quarterback position um, outside QB number one. Yes. Uh, there's a possibility that Harrison Bailey's on the move, and uh, will he go inside or outside the SEC, or will he will he stay? Again, I just – you know, I don't see Harrison playing here anytime soon, so I would imagine that um, him – on the move is something that we're going to see. Joe Milton, I don't see why he would, um, you know, continue to sit sit there behind Hendon. Um, you got a freshman quarterback coming in um, that's 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 athletic and can can throw the. But you don't want him being QB two. No, I mean right away. I mean, you, you, not right away, not right away at all. But I think like the reality of the situation is what what upperclassman quarterback is okay with sitting. At three and two, like I, I think been. a more realistic situation is, you know, you you have a you know a freshman quarterback at two, but you don't want him to play. Yes. Like you, you really don't want him to play. Best case scenario, um, you know, your number one guy stays healthy, he's doing his thing, and if if the freshman quarterback goes in, hopefully it's not more than four games. The problem is, I think this year has proven, at least in my opinion, I don't disagree with you, but if I'm Tennessee's coaches. I don't take that approach this offseason. I'm, I'm going out and trying to find a guy because, I mean, twice this year it's, it's looked like Hendon has suffered a, a major injury. Yeah, Looking but, back at the Tennessee Tech game when he, when he fumbled, I know he, that he didn't miss any time he was in on the next series, I think, but it just he took yeah. a nasty hit, took a not a nasty hit. It kind of looked like his knee just got driven into the ground against Ole Miss. But if he's going to be running as, as much as, as he has, I think you have to prepare for a backup quarterback that isn't a true freshman. But who wants to sign up to do that? Yeah. That, that's, that's, I mean, that's the, that's it the sounds good. And, and, and yeah, I, I completely agree. <laughs> it's like, I, hey, man, go – the tallest building in Knoxville, that window needs to be clean. Somebody should go do it. Right. Yeah, that sounds good, but who's signing up to do it? Not me. No, I, like I'm with you. <laughs> like, and, and even if you find a guy that is – that is willing to be the backup, which I don't know that I want a guy that's willing to be a backup in the first place. Um, but the guy that is going to be willing to be a backup to Hendon Hooker isn't going to be very good. You're, you're not going to find a good quarterback in the portal that is going to be willing to be a backup quarterback. No, not willing to be a backup quarterback. All right, let's go to the phones. We've got David and Ackworth. David, good morning. Mr. Swain, Mr. McKay, how are we doing this morning? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Doing wonderful, doing wonderful. Hey, Ben, I'm going to take a little umbrage with what you said about uh, the difference between Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker. Uh, ben, and, uh, hold on, Dave. Ben, Ben's answering the phone right quick. I know you, you are okay. addressing him. Let me, all right, Ben is uh, putting his head set back on. All right, Ben hears you now. Go okay. ahead, Dave. Okay, so uh, Mr. McKee, I'm going to take a, I'm going to, I'm going to take you to task a little bit about what you said about Hendon uh, Hooker and, and Joe Milton and the difference between the two. Um, and I'm not look. I know some people were calling soft. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. I never played football. I, mean, I never call anybody that played football soft ever. But I think there's players that are tough and and have. You know, I don't want to say seek out contact, but don't shy away from contact. And I think there are players that aren't. And I think that's the big difference between these two players. Uh, it, it, you know, I, and I get it. I think we, I think Heupel and the fans and everybody has tried to make Joe Milton out to be this dual 
threat quarterback who, you know, and and and, and kind of interchanging hype uh, 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 Milton and uh, Hooker. And let's be honest, I think Joe Milton is a pocket passer. I've heard his high school, I heard his coach, his, his quarterback coach, say he's a pocket passer and not a dual threat running back. I think as much as as they talk about him. Uh, 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 Bailey not being a fit for this offense. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Joe Milton is either. And I think I think Joe Milton would be better in a pro style offense where he could sit in the pocket and throw the football. Um, and, and, and now I still don't think he's going to be accurate enough to be successful in that. But I think there is a world of difference between these two guys. Um, and I think we all tried to project because of his size and his athletic ability to be to be this. You know second coming running the football of, uh, you know, of who knows what. I don't know. I can't, I can't even think of another guy his size that runs the football like that. Heck, maybe you got what's-his-face, uh, Tebow, down in, down in Florida from years ago. He was not that tall, but he was that build. And, uh, and, and we all know that guy didn't run away from contact. No. So I just, I just think that there's a world of difference. I think it's more than just the flashiness of the style. I think I – just, I, just, I just think we – we all believed that Milton was going to be this guy, and in reality, he's he's this guy. And they and I think Kyle tried they tried to turn him into the dual threat, but he's a he's a pocket passing quarterback who does not like contact, and that's where he needs to go find a place somewhere where he can he, somebody can take him as a as a as a pro style quarterback and, and make him excel. That's just my opinion. What. I agree with everything you just said, so I don't, I'm confused on what you disagreed with with me saying. Well, you you said the only thing that was different between the two was was I think you know that that, that Milton was a little bit was was flashier, and I just thought, I just think there's a whole lot of difference between the two. Oh, I mean, and, I, yeah, and I was talking personality wise and and trying to show uh, well, up. Yeah. he Joe Milton's more flamboyant, uh, and and Joe Milton likes to to show off that big arm and. I just, I think that is something that the coaches were, were looking for because people sure. like JL want to come at, come at Swain and me and and everybody for hyping up Joe Milton. But where do y'all think the oh. hype came from? No, I think I think the hype was justified. I mean, like you, and I agree with you on this. You're not contacting in in, in spring ball, and well, for him, uh, Milton didn't have spring, but he's not. There's no contact in fall ball. Hmm. They have no way of knowing that when. When he's getting ready to have contact, that he's going to—he basically stop running, pull up, you know, which is which is really weird. You know, mm-hmm. I've never—I don't think of all the times he's run, which hasn't been a lot, but he's run—he certainly runs some. I don't think he's ever initiated contact. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's always kind of got ready to—he's always been, he's bracing for the contact. I don't know if I've ever seen a running quarterback do that. And um, but I, I guarantee you, they didn't see any of that in fall ball because, like you said, yeah. there's no contact. Yep. And, Speaking of that, Mr. Swain, why is there no contact on the quarterbacks in, college, in, in, in practice? And I understand you don't want to get them hurt. When did this shift occur? You played long enough ago. Were they were they were the quarterbacks being hit in practice in nope. in, in your day? No, nope, and they wasn't hit before. Before, I mean, I've heard stories about uh, you know when T. Martin knew that that his teammates embraced him. When he knew his teammates embraced him is when Al instructed the defense, y'all, don't touch 17. We need 17. So that's yeah. 98. So, and the reason why yeah. is because 
you don't want your quarterback getting hurt. Simple as that. I mean, you don't yeah. want to get close. You don't even want to get close because you don't want his hand to hit someone's helmet, you know, when he's throwing and following through. So it's just it's just not worth it. Like the the risk of a war, it's a it's a bigger risk than reward to have your quarterback getting hit in practice. You re, you rather yeah. say, okay, well, if you don't, you know, if shy away from contact in the game, and we can address that if that's a problem. And if you can't slide, we can address that if it's a problem when we get there. And if we have some ball security problems, we can address that in practice uh, to simulate you know, some, some full contact. But it's not worth having your quarterback be subjected to hits like everyone else. It's not worth it. Unless it's Jawan Jennings and you're trying to get him to move, <laughs> move back to receiver. Yeah, unless it's Jawan Jennings and you want to convince him to play receiver instead of playing quarterback. You let him get, you let him get hit behind the, the walk-on uh, offensive line. Make him want to play receiver instead of quarterback. <laughs> uh, I would. I tell you what, I'd like to have him run this offense at times if we couldn't have a real quarterback. No. He would be a. He he would be really interesting behind uh, with, with Heupel coaching him. I think that would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Now that you said that, but yeah. um, well, I, you know, and I appreciate that. I get it. I just think. I, I guess the other thing I didn't understand. You would have thought maybe they could see, and, and maybe he wasn't. I, I guess I've even heard people say, you know, could they have, could they have watched the Virginia Virginia Tech game highlights and see what they had in Hooker, but my understanding is he's playing at a whole different level now than he was back then. And I guess there was even there was even a knock on him not being maybe the toughest guy. Didn't he take himself out of a cold game or something? And, That's the way Virginia and, Tech spun it. Yep. So, you know, which I which – Seeing him play, I mean, I, that's hard to believe he would do that. That's just really hard to believe. Yeah. But – well, Dave, thank you so much for the phone call. We up against it, and um, we got to understand something too. Like, if Hendon was playing the way he's playing now at Virginia Tech, he would be at Virginia Tech. He he wasn't playing a certain level, and now he is. And you can attribute that to maturity on his part, on improvement on his part, and a good fit with Coach Heupel. I'll tell you one thing: I do disagree with Dave on Joe Milton being a pocket passer. Uh no no not that you can't that be a pocket passer if you can't throw the ball accurately no I mean, well throw obviously throw. but that's not like this notion that in this offense it takes a dual third quarterback to be successful I think that's false it's false I don't think it's false it's false if you are a good offensive coach. You can do whatever with any type of quarterback. And Josh Hypo has proven that he, is, he can do that. He has taken Drew Locke. He has taken Dylan Gabriel. He has taken Hendon Hooker. And he's produced offense with different quarterbacks. So this offense is not predicated on a running quarterback. It helps to have a quarterback who can run if he can also throw the football but this offense is built around tempo. That's one thing we can say. Mm-hmm. It's about tempo, tempo, tempo. And Heupel can probably have success offensively without it. But one thing we can say is that this offense is built on tempo. It's not built on a running quarterback. Because if you take a quarterback that's super accurate and – he is controlling the pace of the game. He is being the leader on off the football field. 
He instills confidence in his teammates, trust in his teammates. He don't have to have one rushing yard. The offense is still potent yeah. if the offensive line is moving the, moving the line of scrimmage and you're running the football down team's throat and, you know, you're hitting them with the, you know, um, some, 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 some zone reads and the quarterback is you know, running, you know, Eight miles per hour, barely, but he's still picking up a first down because he's tricked the defensive end. Uh, and you do, and then you have the RPO game. You can have a quarterback that's not a dual threat quarterback in this offense and still be successful. But you do prefer one if you if you can get the best of both worlds. If you can get the best of both worlds, I absolutely. I mean, ideally, you want the best of both worlds, but you don't have to have it no. to be successful on offense. That's why I disagree with Dave. Yeah, I disagree with Dave on that one. Um, You don't have to have it. But, man, if you can find someone that can do both really well and go find me a a, a handful of guys or a big number of guys that do both at a really, really high level, it's hard to find. Hour three coming up.